This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's going on everybody out there in Podcastville? Welcome to another episode of a Cincy Fan Talking with LP. And of course, this is yours truly, LP. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope y'all enjoying y'all summer. Being safe out here. You know me and mine doing all right. Just kicking it. Uh, We're going to get into some um a, a, little, a little smidge of Bengals talk like. Uh, a small bit because you know it's hype season out here and everybody got their ridiculous takes and they trying to make you argue takes about this and that who going to the super bowl who's about to blow up who's about to regress (sighs) don't nobody really know for real (laughs) so i'm gonna talk about what we do know and what we don't know as far as the Bengals. so and i'm gonna kind of leave it at that as far as what we're talking about with that um, we're going to get into sports movies. Um, I spent this week binging sports movies instead of reality TV. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit. But, hey, real talk, I'm I'm going WNBA. Like, <laughs> that's where I'm going with it first. Um, I sat down. Um, we watched the women's, watched the WNBA All-Star game. Real live did. Now, if you know me, this probably isn't super duper surprising. Um, now, with the regular season for the WNBA, don't really get offended that I don't watch that because I don't watch the NBA regular season. Like, I really don't. And until it gets close to mattering, I I kind of check out. I can't really, I can't really get into regular season pro hoops now WNBA is a little bit different since their schedule is shorter the games matter a little bit more but there's just so many games of regular season hoop men's and women's I'm like it's too much um before I slide into my whole WNBA thing um I'm 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 kind of at a crossroads with something I did um so you know I'm a I'm a 2k head you know I'm I'm always playing 2K until the summer when it gets kind of dead. <laughs> so, you know, they dropped the, you know, the whole pre-order for the um, w, for the, um for the NBA 2K. You know, 2K23 is coming out in September. I normally just go ahead and purchase the 2K because I got disposable income and that's what I kind of like to do with it. <laughs> I mean, I, I just do. I, I, I like I like video games and I like hoops, so but they kind of got me because usually the highest one is ninety nine ninety nine, 
And I'm like, I'm just going to get the highest one because I get the most stuff and I ain't got to worry about it. I don't have to pay for no extra stuff. But I end up getting the highest one and it's for $149.99. And I'm like, hold your horses, pimping. I really spent $150 on a video game? Like that's life right now? I really did that? Me and my grown manness? I'm like, dang, that's that's gas tank money. Like, <laughs> like I, I was kind of salty. I'm like, dang, I just paid that just for a video game. And then I started looking closely at what I got. And I'm like, dang, I kind of came up. Because you get, when you purchase that video game for that price, you also get a 12-month free subscription. Well, it ain't free because you pay for it. Like, but you get 12 months of NBA League Pass. And I'm like, dang, I just came up. like. But that's the thing. I kind of sort of came up, but I really don't watch hoop like that until close to the end of the regular season. So I'm looking like, dang, what am I going to do with a 12-month subscription of NBA League Pass? I'm like, dang, should I sell it? Can I sell it? I'm like, I should just pass it off to one of the homies or like, you know, um, I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to work on that. Maybe I'll just start watching more hoops since I already paid for it. Or I don't know, see if I can profit. I was just like, dang, I can't believe I did that. And then I was like, dang, I'm kind of happy I did that. Had I known how to did it anyway, because the subscription is like 200 bucks. You're basically getting it for 50. I just got to figure out what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> so I just, I don't know, just something that happened. So anyway, I, I digress. My bad. <laughs> we in the crib, Sunday, 1 o'clock. There's never really anything to watch Sunday, 1 p.m. So, you know, we watching WNBA All-Star Game. And first off, the WNBA, they always do it right as far as, like, social justice and shining a light on things that, they, that people need to fix. I mean, they've always been out in front of police brutality and equal rights. I mean, they, they do it better than any league by far. And, you know, they, they really put the light on, you know, getting Brittany Griner out of Russia. And real talk, and this is just me being completely honest, the fact that she's black and a woman, she's getting the short end of the stick twice because, I mean, we got it bad as black men, but, like, black women got it. They, they got it bad, too, like, real life, because you're getting discriminated because you're black. Then you're getting discriminated against because you're a woman. Uh, it's like that double minority thing, and it, it really, really sucks. And I feel like uh, it's hard. I mean, I'm not really tuned in as far as the whole political aspect of this. And I know people are like, you know, it's not that simple. You can't just go over there and get her and bring her back. I get that. But at the same time, l let's call the spade a spade here. If this was a male athlete, I won't even say a white athlete. I'll say a male athlete. Everything would have got ratcheted up to like the fifth power. And, and that's just real talk. I mean, you get a LeBron James or a Tom Brady or somebody locked up for three days. I mean, people going bad shit crazy. And, and that's just real. And it, it's messed up 
that she even had to be in that predicament to go over there and do that in the first place. Because, and we actually looked this up, you know, the wife and myself, as we were watching the game. They're so woefully underpaid here. I, I think like the the highest the highest salary, and that's just the salary, was something like two hundred and twenty thousand or something like that. I mean, I, I can't really remember how much it was. I'm gonna go ahead and check this out real quick. Basically, the highest salary is Diana Tarazin. She's pulling down two hundred and twenty-eight grand. That's basically her cat hit. That's what she's. That's what she's taking from the team, and the person at the end of the bench in the NBA is is pulling down seven figures. Real talk. It's just really messed up. And people can say what they want to say about the entertainment value and this, that, and the third. But either they're getting paid too little or we got some folks in the other league getting paid too much. And at some point, it has to even out because this is kind of dirty. I mean, real talk, they're doing the same job. And people can say, you know, well, they can't dunk and people don't watch the games. Dude, they're doing the same job. They both they're both professional basketball players. But again, <laughs> I digress. So watching the game, and two things jumped out quickly as we were watching the WNBA players play in an all-star game. Number one, it looked and felt like an all-star game. Very little defense was being played. <laughs> People were just going for what they wanted to go for as far as their offensive game. And it, it it was just like that. They were – it looked like an all-star game. <laughs> now, halftime I was a little scared because the score was 59 to 39, and I'm looking like, yo, you got a real-life miss on purpose to put up 39 points in the all-star game. Like, people just let you shoot. Like, for real, people like – you go ahead and cook, homegirl, because I'm going to cook next, so you better get yours off because I'm about to get mine off. That's basically how it goes in an all-star game. I mean, it's it's like street ball. Those first five, six points, you try, you're trying to see what they can do on the court. You're like, go ahead and shoot your little jumper. Okay. Towards the end of the game, I'm getting up on that. You're not scoring, but I just want to see if you can shoot. That's basically the first three quarters of an all-star game. It's like heat check from mid-court move out the way so somebody can dunk. That's the all-star game experience. And we love it because nobody's expecting an all-star game to be competitive. Not for the first three quarters. We don't care. We're trying to see threes from mid-court. We're trying to see people get boomed on. If it's the men's game, that's what it is. And the fact that they only put up, the fact that the score was 59 to 39, I'm like, yo. What's going on? Second half, everybody stepped it up. I mean, Buck is falling left and right. The team that was down 59-39, um, it might have been Team Stewart or Team Wilson. I forget which one. But they said they weren't going for a fourth quarter. They putting up three, three, four. And we'll get into that in a second. And they made it competitive in the fourth quarter. Final score was like 
134 to one something. Either way, they put up some points. Like, for real, it, it looked like an all-star game final. That's how it's supposed to look. So that's the first thing that jumped out. It felt all-star-ish. It wasn't like they were, like, you know, playing super-duper hard and making the score in, like, 49 or 48. Nobody's coming to see that in an all-star game. And they didn't give us that. They gave us offense. That's what you want. The second thing that jumped out to me, the WNBA, they'll take some risk. Like, they'll do different things to their game, and they want to draw on those viewers. I get that. But this might be stuff that the NBA wants to think about. Like, on four spots of the court, they put a four-point shot up. And it wasn't like an easy distance. It was like, it was like a pretty good distance away. You know, you got the three-point line, you know, 23, 24 feet away. This was a good 28, 29 feet away. Imagine an NBA All-Star game where you can have people putting up four-point shots. That's the innovation that we're talking about. Like, that's the stuff that the NBA needs to do. I'm I'm really tired of the NBA doing this gimmicky stuff to try to get folks – to get their team like more chances to stay in the whole, in the whole running to make it to the playoffs. I really don't like that. You know, now they got it to where, you know, the seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th seeds, they play in this little bootleg tournament to decide the last two seeds. That's, that's ridiculous to me. If I'm a seven seed and I got to play an eight seed. And then if I lose, I got to play again. no, I made the playoffs. Why well, I got to play for my spot and I already got my spot. If you're saying it's only eight teams, then it needs to be eight teams. I- I'm not really with the gimmicky stuff for real. Now, the four-point shot, you know, people will say, well, that's gimmicky. And the big three, they've been doing it for a while, to be honest. So the big three's been doing it. WNBA decided to do it for the All-Star game. And people say, man, that's gimmicky. What you mean? I thought you said you don't like gimmicks, LP. Come on, man. Like, be consistent. I'm like, slow down. Check this out. There was only a two-point shot for the longest in the NBA. The three-point shot came in in, like, the early 80s. They took it from the um, they took it from the ABA. And they said it was gimmicky in the ABA. And the NBA put it in. You know, people weren't really shooting it at first. But now it's an integral part of the NBA experience. Now it's to the point where you'll have teams putting up 33-pointers in the game. And it's really nothing. You know, 30, 35, three-pointers in the game. People kind of look at it like, oh, you know, that's their offense. Back in the 90s, people weren't shooting 30, 35 threes in the game. You might have had a couple teams doing it. The Rockets, um, the Nuggets back when they had – um. Paul Westfall, I think, running the show. You know, they were just running gun for real. But you didn't see that because people thought it was not really gimmicky, but it wasn't part of the culture of the league. Now, step back threes, threes on the fast break. Do you understand how much we would have gotten cursed out (laughs) on the basketball court if you're coming down for a break and then the person, you know, pushing the break, kicks it to somebody on the wing and they put up a three 
do you understand how many laps you will run <laughs> as a player? You're supposed to drive the ball to the hole, lay it up, or get a foul. Nowadays, it's like, you know, you run it down the court, kick it to the three. That three got to go up or the coach is upset. Why did you not shoot the three? You were wide open. That's the game now. This could be the four-point shot. You put a four-point shot on opposite ends of the, of the floor, left, left wing, right wing, about 28, 29 feet away, just like they did in the WNBA All-Star game. It makes it – it's kind of like having the two-point conversion in the NFL. It makes it to where you have to kind of change the calculus of how you think. No longer is it like, okay, we're up four, so you know they need two possessions. Kind of stay away from them so they don't have to foul. Now it's different. It's like now extend that defense all the way out. You got to play defense because we can run a play, get to that four-pointer, put it up, boom. I think this could be bigger than an all-star game. This could actually be a part of the basketball experience. And it's not like it's an easy shot. It'd be an easy shot for a really good shooter, a Steph Curry, um, a Kelsey Plum who was lighting stuff up. We was looking at her in the All-Star game like, dude, this is ridiculous. She is killing people. <laughs> I feel like the four-point shot should be a thing. And the fact that the WNBA takes chances and they do stuff like this, I, I really commend them as a lead because they're willing, they're willing to not necessarily change what their game looks like, but they're willing to accept the fact that, hey, we have an audience we need to please, and we want to make the game look like the game. We don't want to do dumb stuff like put a rim on top of another rim and make a 10-point shot like this ain't NBA rocking jock. Like, we're not doing that. <laughs> but they're keeping the game in a way that it looks like the game. It's still basketball. It's just a different way to play. You have to think differently. And I would really like to see it in the W. I would like to see it in the NBA. Now, the one thing I was looking at the WNBA about, like the one thing I was salty about, man, they came out with that all-star game trophy. I'm like, come on. Like, my kids' participation trophies were bigger than that, man. Like, <laughs> that was like they won flaw. Homegirl came out. Kelsey Plum come out. She got her, um, you know, her all-star game MVP trophy. She deserved it, too. She did her thing. And, you know, she holding it, like, with her fingertips. I'm like, come on, man. Why y'all trying to play her like this? Like, <laughs> but she earned it. And I'm sure they'll step it up next year. The trophy did not look like that a couple years ago. I remember, like, and I looked it up, too, so I wasn't thinking I was tripping. That trophy was kind of sort of big. It didn't look like that. I don't know what it was. Like, they wasted the budget on the paint. I don't know. <laughs> but step that one small part. It wasn't really a big thing. People hyped it up on social media. I kind of got my digs in a little bit. But all in all, it wasn't a good – it wasn't a – it, it – it didn't detract from the fact that it was a really good weekend for the WNBA All-Star Game. And, hey, you, you'll catch me watching when they get close to the playoffs because that's just me and basketball, men's and women's, man. Like, we got to get close to the playoffs for me to watch. It's just too many games. I can't take it. Um, Which is why football is kind of running things. You got 17 games. Every game counts because it's only 17 up. I mean, 
you lose four, <laughs> there goes your number one seed right there. And the way the the way the um, football is, the way the NFL is set now, if you don't get that number one seed, dude, you got to play three games and make it to the Super Bowl. It's hard to win three games in a row in the NFL. However, this is hype season in the NFL. And like I said, I'm not going to take too long with this because I'm really not trying to talk too much NFL right now because a lot of the takes getting tiring to me. Um, who's going to be the sneaky wide receiver to blow up? What else? Um, which running back out of these four is going to be successful this season? Um, if you had a choice, a team with the easiest schedule, who would you choose? I'm like, come on, man. All the homers going to come out and be like, well, this team going to be best because this is my team. As far as the Bengals schedule goes, you know, you got a lot of people saying the Bengals are going to have a target on their back. They're going to play that first place schedule and they're going to have first place problems. Slow down. Now, when you really think about it, you're taking what a team did last year. And you're saying that the schedule is going to be tough based on what they did last year. But none of these teams are last year's teams. Every single one of these teams has gone through some kind of turnover. And it's simply because we're talking about a salary cap. And in a salary cap league, you're not going to be able to keep all your best players. People are going to move from one team to another. And a schedule that looks super hard right now might look super easy 10 weeks from now. Like 10 weeks into the season. Case in point, the Bengals. The Bengals last year, you know, everybody was like, dang, you know, they were already a bad team, and now they have, like, the six, the sixth toughest schedule. Everybody was like, oh, no, here you go. The Bengals are going to be trash. Check this out. The Bengals had one of the easiest schedules in the league because almost every team that they played did worse than they did the year before. Go figure that, right? <laughs> so, you know, and I know people got to get their content out. People got to be like, you know, this team has the toughest schedule. It's going to be a, a bear for them to walk through this. I get all that. And, you know, sometimes I do that too. You know, you look at the team and you go, I think this team was pretty good. But that was last year. Real talk. The Bengals look like they have an easy schedule at the beginning of the year and a tough schedule at the end of the year. This could be completely different based on, I don't know, injuries, based on people not playing as well, based on people doing better than what you thought. These first seven games for the Bengals could be awful. And then the end could be really, really easy. We don't know. So really, if you're a sports fan out there, and you're kind of worried about your schedule for your team, this, that, and the third, you got to take it one game at a time. You really do. Just focus on the first game. Now, I'm going to come back on here a month from now, and I'm going to predict the schedule. I'm going to predict how many wins the Bengals are going to get. But I'm basing that on the Bengals. <laughs> like, I'm not really going to base that off of, dang, this team looks easy. This team looks hard. I'm basing it on how good this team is, what they brought back, and what they lost. Because that's really all you can do. And when it's all said and done, that's what it should be.
Now, people are going to have different takes. That's just kind of mine because until the season starts, we really don't know much about anything. I mean, you got some teams who haven't even picked a quarterback yet. (laughs) And unfortunately, injuries are going to happen because it's football. And in football, people are going to get hurt. You know, you got that whole next man up thing, and that's true, and that's true. But there's one position where that does not matter. There's one position where if you lose that person, your squad is done, (laughs) and that's QB. So pay careful attention to who comes in with healthy QBs that's ready to do it. And I hope your QB stays well, for real, because we all knocking on wood just like in 31 other cities, for real. (laughs) Keep my QB upright. (laughs) Hey, you got a Cincy fan talking with LP. We'll be right back. Hi. Hi. I'm Princess and I'm Queen. This is Daddy. You have to say, and this is a Cincy fan talking with LP. And this is a Cincy fan talking with LP Daddy. Nice job. Mm-hmm. What's up, y'all? Welcome back. Welcome back to the pod. So, spend time this week watching a lot of sports movies. Um, Always been a fan of sports movies. I mean, of course. I mean, that's the pod, <laughs> of course. But, I mean, I've always found sports movies not only to be, like, you know, motivational, but a really, really good sports movie digs deeper than sports that that's what i always thought so my favorite sports movie and we'll we'll get into that in a quick second but i put this out on twitter asking people you know what their favorite sports movie was got got a really good list of sports movies i mean people people really came with it um 42 was one that i didn't even think of for real i won't say i didn't think of it I mean, I mean, Chadwick Boseman did his thing as as Jackie Robinson, no doubt. But I guess because 42 is just one of those movies that like it it hits all the points it wants to hit so well that you kind of put it. I won't say a little bit above all the other sports movies, but it's just one of those sports movies that's like he did so well with it that it's weird. Like, it's not like I forgot it was there. It was just one of those choices. When I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah. How did that not make my top three? Like, because, you know, I had it in my top in my top five, top six. I'm like, dang. And and, and the person that brought it up, uh, I believe it's um, Eric. You know, he, he said he said something real deep. I thought he was like, what the movie did was it, it didn't give people a pass. It didn't give the racist white people in the movie a pass. It was like, this is who they were and this is what they did. And this is how Jackie Robinson triumphed over. And I thought that was a real, I thought that was a real good tweet because you get a lot of these movies where it's like, you know, everything is horrible. You know, racists are all out here. 
And then, you know, you have this team or you have this person and then people start seeing like, hey, you know, it wasn't cool for me to be like that. And that's usually not how it works for a very long time. It takes people a while to not think like that. And this movie, 42, they didn't do that. They wasn't like Jackie Robinson brought together a nation. No, because it was still the same way while he was playing. He was strong enough to hold in his anger and his rage. And he was like, I'm putting it out on the field. And that's what made 42 such a dope movie. Um, so that was that was a really good choice. Um, I, I, I saw a lot of good ones. Um the a homie Amber put uh <laughs> put Sunset Park, man. I, I got weak as soon as I saw that. Like we used to run around like Sunset Park, what time is it? It's time to get live, it's time to represent. <laughs> and it it's just one of those movies where you see the cast and you go like Dang, Terrence Howard was in this movie. Like, I forgot. Like, Fredro Star was in this movie. Like, dang, Rhea Perlman was in this movie. Like, it's just one of those movies where you expect it to be, you know, like this kind of outcast movie that's kind of sort of good and whatever. But it was, it was a really, it was a really good movie about high schoolers hooping in the hood and i was telling amber too um i really like that they did not win the tournament i like that they didn't go state and and win all state because it don't really work like that all the time you don't have a team that wins two games one year and then they take the whole thing in one year with a new coach like <laughs> it that don't that don't normally happen man not for real i like i like the realism in that um, Coach Carter came up. Uh, my wife chose any given Sunday. She said that was hers. And I'm like, yo, as far as putting a lens on what football looked like, and and, and the way, I think it was Oliver Stone that did that. I think he directed, I think. I, I checked to make absolutely sure. But, man, like the, the hitting on there and like the – it. <laughs> It was one of those movies where you was like, this feels like a football movie. It wasn't like they left stuff out. People was getting popped. They had the scenes where it was raining. You could hear Jamie Foxx getting crunched. And I mean, that was that was some hard hitting stuff. I I didn't like the fact that they had those bootleg teams and they're playing that one team in Texas and they had like that ridiculous stripe all the way through the 50 yard line i thought it was the end zone like nah that's the 50 like <laughs> but other than that man al pacino did his thing as a coach um steaming willie beeman still gonna be like one of my one of my top two quarterbacks on my um fantasy fantasy football team like <laughs> like he definitely gonna, he, he gotta be one of the qbs on there because you know you need two qbs a lot of good choices but for me my my favorite and i wanted to choose hoop dreams like because that's like my all-time favorite sports movie but i didn't want to cheat because it's more of a documentary and that was like real real life so i'm like i don't want to cheat so i'm I'm like not choose this white man can't jump has always been my favorite sports movie like always i I've been watching that movie since I was a little kid and we would just rewatch it and rewatch it. And a lot of the times 
you know, as kids, you know, we're watching it for the yo mama jokes. <laughs> we watching it to see if uh, Sidney Dean traveled on that one where he kind of do his uh, little two-step. We rewinded that about 16 kabillion times. Like, now nah, he traveled. I'm like, no, nah, he didn't travel. That was two steps. Like, I think Sidney Dean was like the first um, James Harden out of all of this. Like, <laughs> but when I really get down, like as I got older and I kept watching it, I think the biggest reason why I feel like this is such a good movie is because of the relationships. But the re- the relationship between Sidney Dean, which was Wesley Snipes, and Woody Harrelson, which was um Billy Hoyle. Like their relationship was like it was like one of those buddy cop movies, but they weren't doing stakeouts and, and they wasn't like sitting there trying to catch bad guys. They was just hooping like and to be in the 90s was to see something like that happen all of the time. Like the school that I went to, you know, it was it wasn't like it was like I didn't go to I I went to a school that was like in the hood, but it wasn't really like full of the people that was in that community. Because, I mean, you had to take a test to get into school. And, you know, you had people from everywhere, you know, at this school. So the racial mix was, it was probably like, I would say about 65% white and maybe like, maybe like 25, 30% black. Maybe I'll say that maybe the black, maybe, maybe us black folks are like a little bit lower, but it was a really, it, it was a really good mix of different kids. So I learned pretty early that, in fact, white boys could jump and they could jump pretty high because our school was grade seven through grade 12. And, you know, we're in the seventh grade and we're thinking we about to just come through and just dominate people. And, you know, I'm like five foot three at the time. (laughs) And I'm thinking like my little small basketball skills get me through. And we looking at the 11th graders and the the sophomores and the seniors, you know, the basketball team had a mix of white and black kids. And we just looking at them, just dunking like it's nothing. And we looking like, the hell? You know, because we from the hood, you know, it's just all us black folks just, you know, sitting there hooping. And we're seeing, you know, like people of other ethnicities hooping. But we're like, man, it's our game. We learn quick, fast. That is not the case. (laughs) And I feel like what that movie did was like it exposed it exposed a lot of stereotypes for 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 everybody. You know, kind of let people know, like, it really don't it really don't necessarily matter what you look like. Can you hoop? And I feel like that's the one thing about basketball that's more universal than most of the other sports, because it's one of the sports where. You can play it by yourself. <laughs> like it, it needs the least amount of equipment. You can literally just get a ball and just start dribbling and you can shoot it by yourself. And on top of that, everybody can see your face. You know, you can't have behind like a hat or a, a helmet or anything like that. Like we can see you. We can see when you're upset. We can see when you're happy. We can see where you're frustrated. We can see where you're scared. We can see all of that. And I feel like what White Man Can't Jump did for me was it helped me understand, like, look, one, you got to trust people. Even when you feel like you can't, you have to trust people because that's that's really all we got. 
And it's really on you to understand who you can trust. It's like you have to understand that you got to make it out here no matter what. And at some point, you're going to need people. And you have to choose who you need, why you need them, and how you need them. These aren't things that I picked up on when I was a kid. <laughs> like when I was first watching this movie as a kid, I wasn't picking up on none. I'm like, dang, dude from Cheers can hoop. Like, <laughs> dang, hey, look how fast Wesley's nice is. I wonder if that's really them. And that's the second part that made me go like, man, this is an awesome movie. Like we did research back then. We was like, that's really them. They are really hooping like this. And then, like, the cast of characters, man, they real life had real life ballers out there. It was like one of those authentic movies where you weren't looking at people acting like they could hoop. You were looking at people that could really hoop. And on top of that, it's just so funny. I, I'm really not, I, I like sports movies, but I love comedies. And when you can mix both of them together, you got me. And White Man Can't Jump is hilarious. And what made it so hilarious is like, this is real stuff that we see happen in the hood every single day. I cannot tell you how many times we've been outside hooping and then somebody gets upset and they go like, you know what? You want that? I'll be right back. And everybody looking at each other like, dang, we got a choice to make. Is dude serious? Nah, let's keep hooping. Nah, dude crazy. It's time for us to leave. Let's roll. Like, because nine times out of 10, dude just talking out his hind parts and nothing's going to happen. You can just keep hooping. Dude will come back and he'll just sit on the side. He'll just say, I got next. You know, he's not doing nothing. He was just a little upset. That 10th time is where you see people jumping over the fence, running through the hole in the fence. Like, <laughs> you'll see people throwing their gym bags over the fence and you just see people like, running because you know dude nuts and dude said he'll be right back and when you hooping outside when somebody say i'll be right back they're not coming with a cake <laughs> like they're not coming with a present they not nah he upset he coming right back he, he going to the glove box like that's what he said time to roll like and it it caught all of that and it caught it in a funny way it wasn't one of those like fearful things it was like hey dude you hooping we're crazy like, and you know he crazy and you brought him down here anyway. It's time to go. We'll catch you next time. And then you'll see him next time. And, hey, we just hooping. <laughs> like, it caught all of that. It was like one of those raw, authentic movies. And it was a sports movie. And that's what made it great. And low-key, it being in L.A. was an awesome move. Because you can put that in a place like Chicago you can put it in a place like New York. You could do that and you would still catch the essence. But something about it being in L.A. where, you know, you can really just ball like that all year long. And you have like those sunsets and stuff like that. And you have those those awesome locations like they had one where you could like see the Pacific Ocean in the background while they open. I'm like, man, that's awesome, dude. Like <laughs> I spent half the time just dribbling and looking back like now you see that this is where we open. Like, I thought that was a real good touch that they put it there instead of, like, you know, a New York. And there's nothing against a place like New York City and hooping because in the 90s, especially the 90s, they had some real live ballers coming through there. Like, 
they had so many point guards like that was just coming out of New York City. So it, it's not like I'm saying it would have been a bad choice. What I'm saying is it was such a great move to put it in a place like L.A. because you just you just didn't see that part coming. It was like a really good twist on the movie. And if I had to pick a 1A, it would be He Got Game. <laughs> like, I, I would have to put He Got Game on there. Um, I'm, I'm a basketball head. I have a lot of other different movies on the list, but He Got Game is it's just an awesome movie, man. Ray Allen's acting was not good, especially in the beginning. <laughs> but the thing he did was he acted like a basketball player. And, you know, he's not... He's not going to give you an Emmy. He, I say Emmy. <laughs> he's not going to give you an Oscar worthy performance acting wise. Like, he's not going to do that. But, man, Ray Allen, during that time period where they shot that movie, the perfect choice. People sleep so much on Ray Allen's handles, especially back then. He was giving it to people with the crossovers to the, to the jumper. He was the perfect choice to play that role because he had everything. He had the dribble. He had the shot. He had the defense. And you can get him through the acting parts because he's a basketball player. Worst comes to worst, he's going to talk to you like a basketball player, and it's going to be believable. Surround him with an awesome cast, and it works. Hey, <laughs> awesome cast he was surrounded with. You put him with Denzel Washington. You put Rosario Dawson in there. You get Hill Harper in there. Dude, Hill Harper got to be like the most underrated actor in the history of acting. Like him and Clifton Powell. Like <laughs> you name a good movie, one of them was in it. <laughs> so those are my choices. Um, I'll go ahead and drop the link. Um, you can go ahead and give me your favorite sports movie and why and who knows we might run this segment right back and just drop yours and tell you how i feel about that so we'll go ahead and leave it like that for this week as always you know we back next week um definitely leave a review if you can let me know what you think about the pod definitely subscribe go ahead and hit the little bell uh, let's go ahead and work those subscriptions up and as always y'all life is good peace out not ready for the conversation to end i'm not either make sure to catch me on twitter that's a sensey fan talking leave off the g at the end of it and we can keep the conversation going also don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes the episodes will drop every tuesday if there's a change in that i'll make sure to let you know appreciate the support as always life is good we